Hi, I'm Glenn Nimrod, and I'm here in Uxbridge, England, for the 14th annual Uxbridge Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention, held this year in the Uxbridge Conference Center, uh, right here in Uxbridge. It's a little rainy, it's a little early, so I'm going to go grab a continental breakfast in my hotel, which, lucky for me, is situated just across the way there. Come on, I'll buy you coffee. The United States of America would like to invite you to come spy with me. Adventures looking in your window Something's out of the ordinary Come with me now And let's explore the secret passions I can see you're someone special town was going to be different from where I grew up in New Jersey. But this is ridiculous. Nobody believes me. But Erie is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Item. A guy that looks suspiciously like Elvis lives on my paper route. Thank you, little paper boy. Item. Bigfoot eats out of my trash. Item. A bizarre housewife cult in town has been sealing up their kids in giant rubber kitchenware so they don't age. And now, just when I thought things couldn't get any worse, I discovered that an eerie, even man's best friend, is up to no good. When I try to tell this to my family, they just think I'm weird. Better weird than dead.
Bourbon Street Beat. Bourbon Street Beat. Starring Richard Long. In New Orleans. Andrew Duggan. This is the blues. With Arlene Howell and Van Williams. Produced by Warner Brothers. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, for a cheerful toast and fill it, happy anniversary, but be careful you don't spill it, happy anniversary, oh, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. Welcome to Adventure Super Train, everyone. I'm your host, Dan, your main host. This is episode 109, the fifth anniversary show of the podcast. Now, this is going to be like... You know all the anniversary shows that Happy Days have, where I, I go and talk to my guest hosts, and we uh, we regale ourselves in flashbacks of of previous shows and things like that. Um, it's going to be pretty much just a straightforward show. But in the opening here, I'm just going to um, I don't know reminisce for, uh, just for a moment. But uh, to anyone listening for the first time, Eventually Super Train is a short-lived TV show podcast. We cover. Uh, or short-lived TV shows that never, never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. Uh, we do three shows at a time, one episode at a time, and generally, each uh, each show is it's like an umbrella show, something like Four and One, uh, which aired in the in the early seventies, the nineteen seventy nine seventy one, and it had four shows. Under Four and One was twenty four hour long shows, and it consisted of the Psychiatrist, San Francisco International, Night Gallery. And McLeod, and those four shows were underneath the umbrella of Four and One. That's the way Eventually Super Train works. This is Eventually Super Train. Under the umbrella right now is Search, with me and Mitchell, Mitchell and I, Mitchell and myself, Planet of the Apes live action TV series with Amy the Conqueror and myself, and Tim S. Turner tsst, is back, and we're talking Kolchak. So that's kind of the way it works, and so each. Each um you know each you know we're 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 basically going through you know old uh, shows uh, that didn't last long and, and discussing them in great detail, and consider it too like if you're looking for that search podcast here it is you know you're gonna have to uh, take it out of each episode if if you want to make a you know like a separate search pile but but very much this is um you know it's just it's just five years ago when we started we started what was it myself cliffhangers Madeline and I talking Cobra Amanda Reyes and I uh, to myself talking about um Jonah Loves Chachi I just realized before doing this that we've covered in total in total 21 complete series as of this time ranging from 1959 to 2006 I've had nine guest hosts and there's a tenth one on the horizon. When the three shows we're talking about here are done with, we'll be at 24 complete. I mean, that's pretty cool. Over to, We've done more than 21 shows. And the first one we completed was Cliffhangers. That was me. And that was a show from 79. The most recent one we completed, Madeline and I, or Detective Fedebeni and I, completed The Singing Detective, which was from 1986. The oldest show was Bourbon Street Beat. Uh, with Mitchell and myself, uh, 1959. And the newest show was uh, Man Man with Dean Lerner, Gorblai Man Myself from 2006. And the shortest show was Beyond Westworld, which I covered myself, five episodes, and the longest was Bourbon Street Beat, 39. And right now we're on three shows, um, searches 23 episodes, along with the initial 
um, two-hour TV movie, and Planet of the Apes was four, 14 episodes, and, and Kolchak is 20 episodes along with the two TV movies before it. So we got a lot going on in here. You got if you if you if you like if you like television, if you like pretty interesting conversation, if you like just going into weird areas of television where sometimes no one else goes or no one else goes seriously. People people can make manimal jokes, but um, Charlie Brown and I like dug into manimal I mean our manimal discussions were an average of 35 to 45 minutes each you know and so we really got in there we really got in there so yeah that's this is the fifth anniversary show there's there's not gonna be a lot of hoo-ha or, or um, folder all around it uh, we're just gonna go the way we normally do and have a good time so let me just uh, let me just play a little blast of music and then um, Mitchell and I will discuss episode 10 of search <laughs> Flight to Nowhere. Sorry, Hugh O'Brien is another Lockwood episode. November 22nd, 1972. Directed by Paul Stanley, not that one, and written by Brad Radnitz. In this one, uh, uh, a friend of his is a pilot uh, who, who has his own plane, uh, like a car pilot kind of thing, crashes somewhere near Reno. All, everything. Him, the, the aircraft, uh, the cargo, and everything. And there are a lot of people who suddenly become very interested in him. And Lockwood is a little confused and wants to find him and find out if he's still alive. Uh, Probe doesn't really back him up on it, so he kind of goes more or less out um, by on his own. But ba- uh, the backup folks at Probe are kind of keeping an eye on him just in case as he heads into the desert to try to find his friend and figure out why so many people are after whatever it was he was doing. Uh, listen to this and make sure myself are on the other side. Flight to Nowhere, episode 10 of Search Lockwood is back. And not only is Lockwood back, but the great and mighty, the powerful Mitchell Hadley is here with me. Mitchell, how are you, sir? I am well. How are you, Dan? I'm doing okay. Um, this, this, is, this, is, this is an interesting episode where um, Lockwood sort of goes rogue. And, um, but but let, me get to, let me get to your thoughts on the episode. What did you think of this one? Well, you know, I really liked it. I thought it was very clever. What about you? I really liked it too. I, I think that there's some nice twists and turns to the formulas. Uh, uh, do you have anything else on it? No, I think that just about covers what I have here. Where can we find you online? You can find me at itsabouttv.com. I'm writing about classic TV, pop culture. You can find links to my book. All right, thank you so much, and uh, let's go ape.
Apes live action version. Episode 7, The Surgeon. Directed by Arnold Levin. Levin. Written by Barry Oranger. October 25th, 1974. And this one, uh, let's see, uh, Verdon is shot by uh, Patrol of Gorillas. And so Galen and Burke uh, take him to a, um, a medical center, obviously an ape medical center, where Galen used to know um, one of the lady surgeons, not the head surgeon, but one of the lady surgeon. And um, uh, he's trying to get them, she, she knows that they're on the run. He's trying, Galen's trying to get her to operate um, on uh, Verdon. Uh, before he dies, because he's got a bullet wound in his side, and she is very unhappy about all of this, and the head surgeon is very suspicious about everything, and and, and as this is going on, uh, Burke is sort of hanging out in a nearby, uh, sort of with a nearby sort of group of humans who are who are very unpleasant, with the uh, head uh, with the uh, head guy being a real jackass and treating this one young woman, um, really really badly, and um, it turns out to be his daughter. And he treats her badly because something to do with a blood transfusion, and we'll we'll go into exactly what's going on. But um, in the episode, yeah, um, um, uh, Burke and Galen have to sneak into Doctor Zayas's house to steal a book on surgery on humans because the um, the the apes don't know how to do it, and they're they're very unhappy about it. And it looks like there may, like I said, there may have to be a blood transfusion, which which the apes tried once before but didn't go well. But um, they know. Uh, um, Burke knows can go well if they, they do it correctly, and there's a lot that's going on in this episode, and we're going to talk about it, but it's basically, Verdon's been shot, and they have to get the apes to try to help save his life, and a blood transfusion may be involved. Let me give you a blast of music. Amy and myself are on the other side. The Surgeon, episode 7 of Planet of the Apes, and I am here with my good friend, Amy the Conqueror, to discuss this episode. Amy, how are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? Doing okay. I'm 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 ready to discuss this episode, which is which is it's 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 funny. I'm I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but it's filled with a lot, especially in the last scene, a lot of people wearing masks. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go <laughs> any any further than that unless we decide to. Um, yep. Although although when that scene opens, that sort of head surgeon guy, be before he decides to join them he doesn't wear a mask so it's kind of weird i don't know if that's the way it works like if a if a doctor walks into another doctor's operation they're not required to put on a mask unless they decide to join in i don't i don't yeah i could i couldn't figure out if they just didn't wear masks up until that point Mm-hmm. Or, but they had the masks, so why yes. wouldn't he walk in with a mask on? Yeah, there's a lot about this episode that I, it, it, it there's a lot. That's all I'm okay. gonna say. <laughs> well, well let's <laughs> let, let's just let's just start with the um the uh, uh, my, my standard question to you. Uh, what what did you think of it, sort of overall? Um, overall, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they put a lot into it, and it didn't go anywhere. There was like different stories like mm-hmm. it seemed like a lot was going on but then nothing was happening <laughs> and it, it felt like there should have been i mean uh alan gets shot that's his name right alan yes Bergen? that's alan yeah 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 so he gets shot and then there's like no urgency to that situation at all they're just kind of like oh, i'll just carry him over here and <laughs> you know galen's got a friend who's a doctor and everything's gonna be fine there's like no urgency to that situation mm-hmm. And there was just so – it seemed like there were side stories going on with mm-hmm. Zayas and then the other – the gorillas, mm-hmm. um, you know, the police squad or whatever they're called. Um, 
that just didn't seem to go anywhere. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. Watching it twice, I still was like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going yes, on. Yes. Um, I, 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 you're right. It, it almost has a feeling like maybe it should have been longer, but it would have worked even less well if it was longer because it's supposed yeah. to have an urgency. I mean, Alan gets shot, and he's instantly he's he's close to death. He's sweaty. He's hallucinating, and yet and yet, as every time you cut to him, it's like, oh my god, is he going to be okay? Then you cut to other scenes. It's like we're breaking into Zayas's house, you know. Yeah. It's like, or it's like the surgeons are arguing, or we're we're learning about those humans and the one human who she doesn't have a name. That's yeah, his uh... daughter, and it's like, and that that that. I mean, it's like we've we've seen a couple humans be nasty but there's mm-hmm. something about this particular colony of humans that's just like oh yucktown usa this is this is yes. just this. they're they're just so and it's it's like so you go from like the the apes who are just being generally unpleasant to the humans who are being generally unpleasant and the the lack of urgency in the episode um, I mean, there's, there's things like it's it's like the all the arguments over. Well, there's nothing in the ape book on how to treat humans. Let me bring this human book. What is this a fiction? And she's reading through the book. It's like just do something, right. do something. I mean, I, I, after a time, I almost started to think that the reason why it was taking so long for the operation was because the lead surgeon lady, ape lady there, was just like, I can't operate on him. But if I keep sort of obfuscating and goofing for enough time, he'll die. Right. You know, so that's almost what and it it does. It feels like we 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 meet this human colony who are not they they don't have any life to them, uh, unlike sort of previous human colonies we we've met, which are you know under the under the gun, as it were, under the hammer, under the you know from the apes. But the, these the ones they just feel terribly beaten down and just like ugh, why why bother being alive. And and you almost and when they when the guys Alan Alan and Peter are sort of thrown into that group, it almost feels like we missed the scene or something. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like there's something missing. Like why are they here? What's what's going? What's happening? And then the the stuff with the daughter comes in and um and and some of it I I quite I mean I I like I like again that we're learning it you know we we learn in each episode we learn a bit more about how the things work. So in this society, we learn about the way how their surgery works and how they try the blood transfusions. And we learn that, um, gosh, these apes, how are they running this planet? Because, I mean, from their terrible farming <laughs> to their awful surgery, how is anyone alive? Uh, and um, But it's, it's it, it, like you said, there's a lot going on. And, I mean, when they were breaking into Zayas' house, there was a point where I was sitting there watching it, looking at the screen, and then when they were in his house and they were like getting the book, I was suddenly like, "Oh, they're breaking into his house!" It was like I just sat there watching it, <laughs> and it di- it didn't register what was happening. Right. And then when it happened, I was like, "Oh, okay." Th- there's a lot going on, um, and some of it's worth watching, but but the lack of there should this should be an episode that is paced like a like almost as as bullet paced as you can make a show mm-hmm. from 1974 instead yes. it's it's paced as leisurely as an episode of eight is enough <laughs> and it's like it's it's not going anywhere fast and even the moment when and 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 at the end of the day i did i didn't i i don't hate the episode i i don't i, I can't say i disliked it but i can't say i i really liked it it's in this weird space where 
I'm glad we saw what we saw because it adds to this world, but this isn't the way I would have done this. Right. And, um, Oh, there was one one more thing. Oh, and 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 then and then and then we can we can chat together rather than me rambling. But the, the, there's a, just this this moment too where it's like I understand that the lady ape surgeon doesn't want to. Well, it's it's not that she doesn't want to experiment on humans because they talk about having experimented on humans and stuff. But there's a moment where uh, Alan is having a fever dream about you know it's a world of apes. It's and he's sitting there and he's sweating and he's got you know he's got the bu- bullet in his side and. It, it, she sort of calms him down, and then instead of s- saying sort of, okay, we're going to try to help you, she, like, rants at him for, like, two or three minutes, like, about humans and da-da-da and all this, that. Right. And it, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I've never, you know, I've had some doctors here and there who weren't great, but you know what? If the guy uh, who took out my wisdom teeth, Dr. Loveless, um, that was his real name, right be- <laughs> right before he began to take out my teeth, if he ranted at me, about how much trouble it was to take out wisdom teeth and how much he'd rather be doing so or something like that, I would have requested someone else. Yeah. So <laughs> she so, didn't have so, the best uh, bedside manner. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and it's funny because I bet you there's nothing in this eight book about bedside manner. No. There's this whole section in the human book about bedside manner. What is this? Uh, what else do you have on this? What What else did you like? What else uh, didn't Didn't you like? Well, I mean, as far as didn't like, I did not like Kyra. And I found it really hard to believe that Galen would have had a relationship with this woman yes. or this chimp or whatever, um, because she just didn't seem all that nice and she didn't seem all that helpful. Um, yes. Like you said, she's kind of like dragging her feet the whole time mm-hmm. and, you know, ranting about humans. And it just I, I was like, why would Galen, who's, you know, an awesome yeah. chimp, why why would he... Waste his time on somebody like her. Like I just, she rubbed me the wrong way. I, I wasn't yes. a big fan of hers. Yes. Though I think we were supposed to think that she was a good, you know, a good doctor and she was going mm-hmm. to help, but they didn't really write the character that way. No. So I kind of just felt like eh, I don't really like you. Yeah. Just I... save Burden and let's move on with <laughs> yes, this. Please, please, yeah. And and I almost I almost felt like. As much as he's not, he's not quite the villain, but like the head surgeon guy was almost kind of a more pleasant character <laughs> as far as the age yeah. went that she was, because he was like trying yes. to make her dinner and kind of like courting her a little bit, and she was just like had a, some weird moments and and stuff, and it was just yeah, no, you, you you're, you're right. I almost thought I thought wouldn't it be great if like Kim Hunter had played that character or something, you mm-hmm. know. And or so, and we could have just seen something, you know, where we could have seen when Galen, like when Galen kind of shows up, he's kind of, it looks like when, when she first sees him, he's kind of in the corner of the frame. And at first, you know, he kind of looks like he's hunched over like a cool guy, but then you realize he's a chimp and he's always kind of hunched over. <laughs> but he's he's kind of there and he's like, hey, how are you? Not quite like that, you know what I, you know, but hey, how are you? And she's like, what are you doing? And it's like, and, and you, you never get sort of, um, even in the end when they leave, you you never get the, I mean maybe maybe in med school she was super fun, or something. Right. May, may, maybe it's years of actually being a surgeon that have made her like this. I don't know, but um, you know I almost want I almost wanted uh, Galen to apologize to Alan Peter in the end and said when well, you know when she was an intern we had some wild times, <laughs> but um. 
Yeah, it's tricky because she's meant to, you know, she's going to be the one who saves the day in the end, and she's the one we have to get on our side. But she's a little too strident. And, yes. And, and um, even when she is sort of on our side in the end, it's like you, you know, like you said, it's it's almost like okay, just just take take out the bullet and let's go, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> this chapter is done. Well, what did you like about it? What what did? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh. Um, yeah, it's not that I disliked the episode. Like you said, I think it, you know, helped the story or the the world building. The whole sort of, world, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like yeah. It, it helped move that along, and you, you see a bit more into that, but. I mean, a lot bothered me where, you know, this is one of the first episodes where I actually had to yell at the screen a couple times oh. and say not so <laughs> nice things. Um, because this is the first time that I remember in this series that we saw a human woman as a character, not yes. just a, an extra. And the treatment yeah. of her is just so bad. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I get it. They have their superstitions and she has evil blood. and But, I mean, the treatment of her father to her was just oh. like it it just made me mad so That's i may bad. have cursed at him a couple of There's, times the, the the thing with it that, that that bothered me is that when the dad tells his story about how the son died he he makes the as he's telling the story you know it's basically as as I, I i i hopefully i said this in the plot breakdown everyone but you know it's like they tried a transfusion on this son uh who was in a hunting accident they tried it with the sister's blood it wasn't compatible he died so they blamed none of the sister blah 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 but when the dad is telling the story, he starts off telling the story almost um, with compassion. And he has a point where he specifically says, um, they came to me and said, they asked if they could do a transfusion. He was dying anyway, so it didn't matter if it didn't work. But I said, let's try it. And then suddenly it's, and then it was her blood, and she's got poison in her blood. I thought, wait a minute. If you knew he was dying... And you knew this was something the apes had never done before. What? And you? Uh, what? How is it her fault? Yeah. How, yeah, how is it her it? fault? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think you would blame, and you shouldn't really blame blame the surgeons. I, I would think if if it's if they're just trying something new to save his life, but but the fact that the fact that there was a hunting accident, and knowing the way like a lot of stuff goes on in the show is probably something idiotic, and and there was a hunting accident. And the boy is dying, so, um, you know, the apes want to help him, and the daughter wants to help, and everybody wants to help, but unfortunately he doesn't make it. And so instead of saying, ah, damn it, that... That's life. <laughs> that happens. You do this horrible thing to your daughter, and yes. it's just, it's just, it's just so unpleasant. I'm so glad Peter's there because when he beats yeah. up, when he beats up that one guy, uh, that yeah. was like, I wish that scene had gone on about two minutes longer and it's just some extraneous beating at the end. Right. I was really surprised by that scene. Like all of a sudden, it's just like, hey, let's start beating up this woman. Like, I, yeah. I did not expect that in play. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that all of the humans treated her that way yeah. was, yeah, it, they, yeah, not a good group of humans to be hanging no, with. No, not I, at I, all. no, I, no, yeah, and it's it's funny because you think like you you know the humans would would try to you know t- take take what they have and make the best of it and just try to be. 
you know, I'm not saying they should all be standing around singing or something, but you know, um, uh, you know, like I was thinking of the the Who's in Whoville, you know, or something after the Grinch steals Christmas. But um, but you you would think, you know, if um, I hate to say life gives you lemons, you know, you, you et cetera, et cetera. But hey, for, pardon my French, the humans live a pretty shitty life here. So yeah. so you know, if 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 it's this, try to. Try to enjoy yourself. Why can't Why can't you have better accommodations? You know, why does only that one jerk have a nice spot? You know, why 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 not? Why not better? Try to better it. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah. This is a. This is a. Um. This is a rough group of humans. You yeah. You You see this group of humans, and all the times when the apes complain about humans, and you think, knock it off. You see this group and go, oh, that's the group they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I could have done with an extra on the DVD that was just an extra two minutes of Peter beating that one guy up. <laughs> it was a little cathartic, yes. <laughs> yes, it was. It was, it was nice to see. Just watching him throw him around the room was just was just great to see. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, uh, oh, so so. Um, let's see. Let me. I, I, yeah, I think I. I mean the, the the tricky thing with the episode, yeah. Unfortunately, the episode I I don't I wouldn't call it a dud because it really tries. Mm-hmm. And to me, a dud is one where you just watch it and you go, "Ugh, did anyone care?" Yeah. You know, th- this one I think everyone cares and everyone's trying to do. It's just the pacing is off, and and the use of the and the, and the humans are are awful and um, uh and I mean apart from apart from the gal. She, she's obviously, yeah. she, she like, I mean, she goes in there to try again, you know, with the blood transfusion and, um, and, and the apes are awful and I don't know, you know, in the end when they leave, you know, it's kind of like, oh, thank God we're getting out of this one. Whew. Yeah. Let's go. So <laughs> let's go back to that place where they just had gladiators fight. I don't know. <laughs> just yeah, right? Bit, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, you see, you feel like you know what side you're on there. Here, it's tough yep. to tell. Like when the apes are miserable and the humans are miserable, where do you go? Live under the sea with Sebastian the crab? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what 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 else do you have on this one? Anything else? Um, yeah, as I was saying earlier, that the there was a lot of side stories. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so they stole a cart from some apes oh, to yeah. get him to the the medical center. And then, I mean, they kind of went back to that where, you know, he reported it and then they're like, oh, you didn't see that. That wasn't a chimp helping a human. And like, it just didn't go anywhere. (laughs) And I mean, I think they were kind of trying to connect it to um, Burke and Galen stealing the book from Zaius. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I mean, again, it just wasn't, it didn't connect. And I was like, why are there so many characters and stories that really have nothing to do with the fact that yes. Alan is lying there dying from a gunshot wound. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Going back to that whole lack of urgency thing. Yes. Well, and then he yes. does die. And that's kind of, they kind of gloss over that. And they like, you know, yes, they bring, he comes back to life for, yes. you know, he, he only dies for a minute, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you feel like that should have been covered a little more. Yes. Yes. And, yeah, no, you're right. When you get to, there's kind of a not a long scene, but yeah, that scene with the the I think is the gorillas. Like, did you really see him? Yes, I did. And oh, <laughs> that AP, you know, and just and you just you you're sitting there thinking, is this is this necessary? 
with you actually have a lot of stuff going on. I'm wondering if it's like padding or something. Like maybe the script right. came out, script came out too short, you know. And it was like, well, what do we add? Well, they they beat up that one gorilla and stole his car. Okay, well let's show a scene where he reports it to the authorities. Oh, that's that's <laughs> that's fantastic. That is great. And then and they could we show him renewing his cart license at the DMV <laughs> later on. That would be great. It is. It is such. It is like you said. It's a weird episode because they're the tangents. If the tangents were exciting or felt on point or something, that would be great. But there are main one of our two, one of our three main characters. Sorry, Galen. That was some kind of prejudice I just did, where I just included <laughs> just the, he was the, um, where where um uh where where one of our three main characters we know is dying, and we just. And I mean, the movie's treated like Robert Altman shortcuts, and every five minutes we cut away to a new scene with new characters in it. It's like, don't do that. Focus, focus. Yeah, it's, right. it's uh, you know, like I, I can't, like I said, I can't, I, I can't call it a stinker because they seem to be trying. I, a misfire? I don't know what, what you, what you, how you'd call it. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Mm-hmm. Misfire uh, sounds good. Yeah. Like I didn't hate it, but it did confuse me and well at times anger me <laughs> but that's just because of the treatment of the woman yeah I, I would love to if you'd set up a mic sometimes when you're watching an episode and if you yell out <laughs> and I, I can we can we, we can do it like it wouldn't be a clean show anymore Dan <laughs> that's true I can be I can be it's because you can take like you can take like the f word and you cut out just the middle of it so you hear all, <laughs> so you know exactly what's being said but if you go and you and you check out the sound, you know, wave. No, the whole word didn't get say, said, you know. So, and um, but but that would that would be fun if we could just um, we did one where you just um, like every every couple of minutes after talking, you just hear like it would just cut to. I'd say something like, "So, Amy, what did you think about this? You son of a bitch!" And then you just start talking <laughs> or something like that. I gave you a little southern accent right there. I, um, <laughs> But uh, but but that would be fun if there was just random yelling from you throughout the entire episode. <laughs> Maybe it's something, something to think about. We still got a lot more Planet of the Apes to talk, folks. Right. Although we are we are we are now um, halfway through, right? Yes. 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 Yep. Wow. All right. So um, I guess uh, I guess let's wrap this one up. Do you have anything uh, left on this one? Uh, no, I will tell you what I wrote in my notes though as my last Please. line for this episode. Mm-hmm. I wrote, all is forgiven at the end, question mark. Screw that. So that just shows <laughs> how I was feeling when I wrote the notes and yes. watched this. Because the, all of a sudden, her, he's like, things are going to change. The father talking to his daughter. You know, like, she deserves to, you know, be mad at him for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's... just like, oh, okay, you saved him, and now your, your blood's not evil. We're all good. Yeah, You're my daughter you, now. You can on. say your name. Yeah, please. And I won't yell at you and and I won't let the other humans slap you around. Right. Um yeah, that's um yeah, no, I yeah, there's I don't you know, I have a I have I don't I don't want to put forward this theory yet, maybe in a couple episodes, but I have a, a theory about how I feel like the show was meant to go if it had gone on for several seasons. Mm. And I'll give it to you in a couple episodes. Let's make okay. what what's next? What's uh oh the horse race. I'm gonna, in the horse race, I'll give you this theory that I have, okay. uh, because I don't know if it fully is, is is held out yet. 
but the first seven or so episodes seem to say this. So I, I, so I guess let's wrap this up, and I'll just say that um, it looks like when the two surgeons are having a meal together, it looks like they're drinking from a having a big beaker of tang. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> that <laughs> was looked, the apricot wine. I was like, was oh, that, apricot the, that was the apricot wine. That, it was funny because they, they that's mentioned, and then the whole time I kept thinking, oh, that's tang. I wonder if that's really strong. So I so I guess Amy, if that's all you have, yep, that's all I have. And uh, so, um, and yes, Alan is saved in the end. He gets the um, the thing removed, and they. Um, I love. I want that book, Principles of Surgery. I mean, you just read that, and you're a surgeon. I love it. Yeah, right? uh, it's fantastic. I mean, I imagine there must have been a book published like that, right? Like a Burton's. Um, no, no, like um, what's it? Gray's Anatomy, sort of right. thing. You know, I must. There must have been a book at one time where someone sat down and collected. I'd love to read that book. I bet it would be interesting. It would be like reading like early microwave cookbooks. You know, yes. it would be just sort of a fascinating, uh, fascinating thing to look at. So, so uh, Amy, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amy underscore the underscore conqueror. All right. Thank you, Amy. And next up, we've got a brand new uh, old show, which I think you could... Oh, Dan. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Oh, oh, thank you, Amy. Yes. Five yeah. years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll get five more or sometime soon we'll start Super Train. I don't know. Who knows? But um, let's, just, let's just hop to the brand new old show. Here we go, folks. Stalker, Episode 1, The Ripper, September 13th, 1974, directed by Alan Barron, written by Rudolf Borchert. I will say, although I, I don't, I forget if we mentioned it or not, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, the Night Stalker is the vampire, not Kolchak. So the fact that it's kind of called Kolchak the Night Stalker, isn't that a little weird? I guess, I, I don't know. It's like, um, it's like the Thin Man, right? Uh, William Powell is the Thin Man. The Thin Man was another character in the movie. So this episode, Kolchak and Vincenzo are both now situated in Chicago. They're working with an independent news service. And someone begins to, a serial killer begins to stalk women in Chicago and kill them in a very similar way to the way Jack the Ripper used to. And after a bit of time, Carl begins to realize that this may be Jack the Ripper himself somehow in Chicago. And he begins to investigate and... Some things are very similar to the first TV movie. Some are not, but um, uh, uh, my friend Tim S. Turner will be here to discuss these things with us right after this little burst of music. (laughs) 
the Ripper. Here we go, folks. We are now officially into Kolchak, the show itself. We've left behind the two TV movies. Although, watching the Ripper, you you would think possibly that the um, creative team uh, behind the show have not left behind the first two TV movies. But we'll talk about that. Uh, so we're the Ripper. I gave you a little breakdown. We're in Chicago. And I have here with me, you you may know him from uh, um, discussions of a rather portly detective and his good buddy, Matt Houston. I'm kidding. But his good buddy, who um, we, we talked, I think it was last year, correct? Yes, I'm, I'm so lost in time now. But um, the person I've got here is Mr. Tim Turner. And he talked Nero Wolf with me previously. And now we're going to do some Kolchak talk. Tim, how are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, let's 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 dive right in because we've already we've already talked the two TV movies. We've already done our background with Kolchak. So, as someone who I don't know how you first watched the well, let, let's just um, maybe since this is the start of the series, did you? Because the way I did this originally was I watched the two TV movies and then the Ripper. I watched them in order. Did you do that too, or did you uh, go come at them in another way? Um, you know, I, uh, let's see the the original. F- Night Stalker, I think that was what seventy one, seventy two. So yeah, yeah, I say seventy one. Um, I can... yeah, I think that the two movies I I was too little, too young for, but I was about seven, and okay. my my mom watched the series, and so that's when I I watched it from oh, the wow. beginning. Oh, that's and awesome. yeah, so I you know I my mom was always complaining about my love of horror. It's like it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially with a show like that. Yeah. Yeah, so wow. she got me into Kolchak, and uh, I uh, and, well that Night Gallery, uh, oh, which were around wow, the same yeah. time. Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, I I I've always loved Darren McGavin in this role because uh, he just he inhabits it in mm-hmm. much like with you know I always bring up Columbo, but I mean it, it's mm, it's yes. one of those iconic characters that only really one actor can pull off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I w- with me, uh, uh, I I I forget where I first saw. Oh, I think I think I I said the um, I got what was it, uh, Columbia House Video or something like that. Mm-hmm. I got the they they sent yeah the the Night Stalker. Then a month later, the Night Strangler, and then over the next um ten months, they sent all twenty episodes two at a time. Right, so, I so, have those. Yeah, so 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 that was where I first saw the Ripper was yeah was was one month after I saw the Night Strangler. And um, we'll talk about what I thought about it in a minute because you get to say what you think about this episode first. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it's a great way to start the series off um, with a, a character that's, you know, not just a uh, you know, an interesting villain, but a, a character that actually comes from history. And they, I mean, they, they obviously embellish a lot on this by saying, oh, there was these Ripper murders in this part of the world and this part of the world. And they say, well, oh, okay. Uh, but, you know, I like to say, oh, he was, they, they caught him and they attempted to execute him and <laughs> stuff mm-hmm. like that. Cause I mean, you got to do it, I guess, to make it more interesting. But uh, I really liked this one. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we're introduced to our supporting cast with the, uh, I mean, obviously Simon Oakland's back as Tony, and uh, now we've got Ron Updike, uh, who is a perennial foil Mm. for him during the series. And uh, we do get Miss Emily, but in a different role. Mm, Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, 
it's uh, <laughs> uh, but very similar role actually. But uh, and and you know we got an appearance by uh, Randolph Mantu's brother as a cop. So yes, yeah. <laughs> I um uh when when I first watched this episode, I remember being a little cheesed off that it was pretty much the same run through as the Night Stalker and more or less the Night Strangler. But now that doesn't bother me. Um, because I know that they, you know, um, people weren't watching this originally with like, you know, videotapes arriving at their house every month. So, so I know that there was enough time in between the Night Strangler and the Ripper that bits of it would have seemed familiar, but there's enough in it that isn't familiar, that isn't the same thing. Uh, there's enough variation and the introduction, like you said, of the regular cast, um, makes it, um, makes it a, um, I, th- I think, a very entertaining episode. It, it's nice too, because um, uh, c- sort of exactly what this Ripper is is never quite stated, and so there's something kind of wonderful, wonderfully uh, nebulous about him. Um, even though I guess he bought a home, um, which which might you know maybe look up you know who bought the home. Uh, that might help you find him, um, but the, uh, <laughs> yes. I. Uh, but um, it's, always, it's sort of like in, in Don't Go in the Woods, where they um, where the killer lives in this cabin in the middle of nowhere, and then at the end the sheriff says, "Well, I'm going to go check out the cabin." I thought, "Wait a minute, the cabin? You know the cabin's there? <laughs> Do you know the killer lives there?" My my theory always was, why not send a mailman with a gun to his door, and then special delivery, and then when the killer comes to the door, you got him. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, speaking of the house, you know that's the same house from the Munsters. Was it? I thought it yep. looked familiar. Mm-hmm. It's a great. It, again, like with Night Stalker, it's a great set. Um, I don't think like the the ending is 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 similar-ish. Well, quite similar to the ending of of the Night Stalker. I prefer the ending of the Night Stalker because there, there's the woman in there too, who he has to save, which right. gives it which gives it a little extra push. In this one, it's just Kolchak. And you know Kolchak's going to get out. Whereas Although I do, I do like that at the end though, when he's hiding in the closet, and the Ripper is, you know, he's taking off his uh, his cloak and his coat, and he's is you see his hand going in front of Kolchak's face as he's hiding in the closet, and Kolchak has one of his rare moments of sheer terror and just freaks out. That it is comes running out screaming <laughs> because you don't, yeah, you don't really expect. And it's it's really a nice moment where he just he can't it's Jack the Ripper he can't handle it yeah and so he just lets out a scream and gives yeah it's away. great because you know I mean really how often do you have that in a a, a lead mm-hmm. in a, either a horror or a, or a dramatic series that where he just freaks out and just says, yeah usually you know yeah you see him like like biting down on their hand or something like that or maybe like um. Uh, the final girl in Friday Thirteenth yeah. Part Two, when she may, may or may not pee her pants when she's under the 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 cot, when Jason's in the room right. with her and stuff like that. But but he's just like the hand keeps going in front of his face, and yeah. and, and, and it's almost comedic until oh, yeah. he lets out the big scream, and then it's still semi comedic, but it's also like oh my god, <laughs> he's terrified. You can feel. I mean, good lord, if I mean Jack, the, if I was in a closet and Jack the Ripper was reaching into a closet to hang up a top hat, I would be wetting him. All over well, town. Yeah. Plus, he's watched this this guy throw police. Yes. You know, 
through walls and stuff, and, and, and the Another, car yeah. hit him, and, yeah, and he did the car. And he's on, yeah, and he's on the other side of the closet, like taking off his coat and folding it over his arm, and doing this. And I put it on the hanger, and then I take my hat off. I'll get this blocked later. And Cole checks it. They're like, "Oh my god, if, if he reaches <laughs> through here, he could throw me through the wall." Yeah, you know. Meanwhile, he's on the other side preening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great moment. That it's 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 yeah. And when I say it's not as good as the the Night Stalker ending, um, it's I think it's just because of that the 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 addition of the 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 woman to save who we don't actually learn what happens to her if I remember correctly. Is that right? No, I mean just no. assume that he's saved her. Yes, yes, by being there. <laughs> but 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 the great the great thing with. And, and we're not going to ruin exactly what happens. Suffice it to say, Kolchak wins in the end. But oh, he also kind of... No, not in this one. He doesn't really sort of lose, per se. Because in the end, he doesn't really seem to care. Um, which is a bit different from how he was in the first two. Maybe after you've met, like, the immortal man living under Seattle, and you fought a vampire to death, destroying <laughs> Jack the Ripper... Is you're, you're like, should I type this story up or not? You know, it's like eh, if I wait a if I wait a few weeks, the golem will show up. So I'll just well, I won't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, you know that scene where he dispatches. I know we're jumping to the end here, but mm-hmm. uh, when he dispatches the Ripper, that's pretty gruesome, actually. It's nicely. It's really yeah. It's really nice. And I cannot wait because they just announced this. Um, and hopefully by the time we get to the end of the series, we'll be doing this. That the series is coming out on Blu-ray, finally. And it's it's long overdue because yes. the prints you watch are so dark and murky. They're dark. Oh, it's dark. Oh, it's dark. And I'm excited because um, I'm hoping, like, with the way we schedule things and the way you all were, are listening to episodes, I'm hoping, like, the last, like, seven or eight episodes will be – if you if you pick up the Blu-ray set, I'm, I imagine you're going to grab the set. Oh, I am. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm excited to get to the point where we can um, watch this in blue because there are a few, there are quite a few dark and murky moments in here, and the final sort of chase and and final moments have a a few bits that are just a bit too dark. Yeah. And it's it's and so I am excited if if Kino Lorber does as nice a job. I think they're putting it out right. I didn't just uh, speak are, out of yeah. turn. Mm-hmm. If they do as nice a job with that. As they did with the Master, the Ninja series with Lee Van Cleef and Timothy Van Patten, yeah. and with the Buck Rogers, Gil Gerard's Buck Rogers, then this is going to be a hell of a set. Yeah, I'm looking forward to be able being able to see the stripes in his seersucker suit again. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's going to be great. I can't, I can't. Yeah, I've actually got it on now during one of the scenes where they're um, the Rippers up on a roof and they're chasing him around, and it's all just. It's oh, and that the Ripper does that great leap onto the construction site where he that that great stunt where he leaps across the space onto a girder. Right. Oh wow, that's a good that's a good stunt. That that that's a, that's like one of those that like we're we're down on the ground and we can see how dangerous it is, but it's almost like it's almost a little too far away because I'm sure someone would be watching and going, oh, okay, he did a little jump. No, no, he jumped across this space and there's oh, yeah. nothing there. There's nothing there. <laughs> Yeah, um, they they had some good stuntmen on this show. Yes, they were. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, did I? Did I finish? I, I'm sorry, we went off on the Blu-ray tangent there, um, but not a tangent because, uh, and, and I've had this happen on more more than once on the show. The Immortal didn't come out on Blu-ray, but when I was talking about the Immortal with Christopher George, five thousand years ago, um, <laughs> about like nine episodes in, they announced it was coming out on DVD. 
So like the last three or four episodes, I was able to watch the uncut episodes on DVD, which was a lot of fun. I wish I, I could have. I wish I could have gone back and rewatched <laughs> the whole thing. The show isn't quite that good. It's <laughs> I enjoyed it, but um, it's not. It's not quite that good. Um, so uh, what else do you have on this one? Well, I think that uh, you know th- this episode it, it it establishes the 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 blueprint for the rest of the series, which is. You know, we see a couple of murders. Uh, Kolshak gets involved. He does interviews with people, like, to, to find out about whatever the monster of the week is. And then we have our final confrontation with him alone in whatever desolate location. And, of course, his film always gets uh, taken away from him or exposed or... You know, whatever. He, he's always screwed somehow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it works. And I think, like you were saying, things were different back in 1974 where it's like, okay, we're not binging these things like mm-hmm. five episodes in a row. Um, <clears throat> I think the only drawback that I've ever felt with this series is is it feels like each week's a reboot in that there's no mm-hmm. collective memory. Yes. Uh, by McGavin, like, oh, God, how many more of these monsters am I going to encounter? <laughs> uh, it's always like think, it's something new. Yeah, I think it just happens once. It only happens it, in The Vampire. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where it's, oh, it's an actual direct sequel to The mm-hmm. Night Stalker. Uh, you know, Tony never really seems to recall any of the other monsters either. Yes. Um, but, you know, that, that's fine. Uh, they, they expand the Kolchak uh character and i he's got some great lines there's this kid that comes in and makes fun of him because tony has uh gotten pissed at him and assigned him the to follow through on all the miss emily letters oh yes mm-hmm. and he's like go play with your pimples <laughs> you know and it just it's just a great line because carl's not a warm person he, he's no. you know he's a guy he, he's got his job he loves the, the thrill of the the hunt and, and getting that story and, you know, everybody else is either a means to an end or, yes. you know, get mm-hmm. out of my way, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so stuff like that. And like uh, later on, we meet this uh, rival reporter, Jane Plum, mm-hmm. uh, played by the great Beatrice Cullen. Yes. From, you know, Happy Days and Wonder Woman. And I introduce him. The first thing he says in his voiceover is, Jane Plum is fat. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> Thank you, Carl. Yeah, he was really and then they do kind of overdo it maybe a bit. Uh yeah, with she's uh, not really that overweight either. No, no, she's she I mean this is this is um like a year before she's doing Happy Days. If you saw her on Happy yeah. Days it's it's her it's it's she looks exactly the same. Yeah. You know, so I and I I never I never would have thought that. And every time every time I see that, I'm always a bit like Hmm, Carl, I guess. Well, I guess going out with Joanne Paflug and the Night Stalker, and then um, yeah. uh, I Carol forget Lindley. the yes, and, and maybe she would be larger well, than yeah. I, and the thing is, though, is like they, he keeps piling on with the fat jokes. Yes, through the whole episode, like oh, uh, uh, he said uh, something like about that, like oh, I, I worry about her being with the Ripper. I just hope he doesn't attack her in a restaurant or something <laughs> like that. And then, uh, yeah, and then, and then he he does, a, and then in the end, her fate in the end yeah, is pretty horrible. It's pre- pretty horrible. I don't know yeah. if we'll we'll spoil, but um, just just suffice to say, it ain't great. Yeah, uh, what basically, with the with the, the the Night Stalker series, if you uh, much like with James Bond, if you become Carl's friend, you're you're gonna be yes. uh, short lived. 
<laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, and the and the yeah, and the <laughs> and, and um yeah, but unlike unlike Bond, where Bond usually gets like two beautiful women, and then it's like one of them is gonna die. And you have to, if you don't know the movie, like, hmm, which one of them will die and which one of them will be our, like, final Bond girl? Yeah. Hmm. This, unfortunately, he doesn't, um, you know, if Kolchak has a life um, outside of the um, paper, we don't. Which he doesn't seem to. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is Columbo-esque, too. Sure. Um, well, although Columbo, of course, obviously comes up with the whole family and everyone, um, whether or not they're real, I can't, I can't say. And um, Kate Mulgrew doesn't count. No, oh, so. God, no. no, no, no. It, it as, as been has been pointed out in uh, many times is that if uh, uh, him and uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew had gotten married, she would have been about like twelve years old. Uh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, again, one of the things that's great with this show is is the every episode has got at least uh, a two great character actors thrown in there mm-hmm. you know and also we we meet ken lynch who's the first in the many long, very long line of police captains yes. who despise carl <laughs> yeah and i think we only have one that repeats and that's keenan uh, Wynn mm-hmm. as yeah. uh uh, Captain Siska. He's the only one that we see more than once, which makes you wonder how many captains are in, uh, on the Chicago <laughs> yes, police Chicago, force. Chicago, yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's like, yeah I, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, I think uh, well, one of the things I, I really uh, do like about it is that it doesn't do what a lot of other shows at this time um, uh, did, uh, which is it doesn't. There's no, there's no half-assing with the Ripper. The Ripper comes right. in, he kills, he throws people around, he leaps off like a four-story building, hits the ground, beats the crap out of a bunch of cops. There, The scene where he gets out of the jail cell, and you just oh, see, yeah. like, you're in the hallway, you see the huge maximum security door, and then all of a sudden you just like hear pounding, cracks, 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 and then the door just flies open and he steps out, is awesome. That's a great scene, actually. It's, and uh, one of the things that that, that uh, I, I love that uh, Gil, Gil Malay does uh, with the the score is he has a, a a sound, a little mini score that he does for whenever the Ripper's doing something, mm-hmm. and it's that bizarre synthesizer. It's like a <laughs> yes, you yes. know kind of sound, and it's like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's it's a great sound, though. I love it. It's and and the 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 um yeah at at the end of the day uh, regardless of of the moments when the the show sort of runs itself in circles the fact that these are actual monsters supernatural or otherwise horrible things killing people with this supernatural power and also I just love that there's no fudging around there's no right. no one gets unmasked in the end you know there's no oh well he what he actually did was he had this super scientific thing that smashed the door open no <laughs> no you don't see him smash the door open you just see the door smash open and you you just you and, and to me it's just like he's just standing on the other side just punching the door and the door fly like he's the thing or something he's punching and then the door flies open and he casually steps out in his top hat and tails and and i just i just as a kid that would have thrilled me to the core as a grown-up oh yeah i still get shivers when i see something like that 
you know, the thing is with this show, and, and we'll, as we'll see in these three, uh, you know, multiple episodes we're going to do, is that mm. they, there's they, – they really do, as far as, like, actual gore, they really pull back on that. But when they sh- when they when it comes to showing the abilities of these monsters, they go full bore on it. Because yes. you know, like I said, he chucks in a scene that's very similar to in the Night Stalker, where uh, the vampire faced all those cops. There's a, a similar scene in this, yes. where he you know we were talking about it earlier. Is that like he he's running at this construction site and he jumps onto a girder, and then he jumps like four stories. And it's not a completely uninterrupted cut, but it's very, very close. Yes, and very they have like the cars down, flying, bodies flying everywhere as he's just making a, a, a mockery of the police. And it, it's mm-hmm. really exciting. And there's and one of the things, too, that's great about um, those scenes is that a, a lot of it is lit with like um, lights from the cop cars. Right, little so spotlights. When, yeah. Yes, so, so rather than it being like, you know, um, some other source is lighting him up, like the moon has lit him up as he runs across the ledge, or or yeah, you know, like we're not up there on the ledge with him. We're with Carl and everyone else looking up as they're shining this light at this guy. And when he like he's cornered and he just looks around and just leaps off the building, it's like what? And it's um, it's really good. The yeah, basically, I mean the diff- the differences I would say between like the the first fight with the Ripper and the fight with the vampire is the fight with the vampire feels like it's like on a location at a hospital and there's right. a lot of space. Whereas the fight with the Ripper feels like it's in a studio back lot in an alley, which isn't a bad thing because it is yeah. an alley he's yeah. in, but, but it feels more enclosed. So like when the vampire lands, there's a lot of space around him and he just starts pounding everyone and motorcycles go out of control and he gets out of there. Whereas the Ripper feels more like he's surrounded um and 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 he he's able to get out of there. It's a, it's le- it's a less less sort of expansive than the Night Stalker scene, but it makes its point very well. Yeah, I I, I think the you know one of one of the you know unfortunate drawbacks with the series was their budget was very tight. Yes, and yeah. you can see that it, it, they really make, with the exception of some stock footage they use of Chicago, it, Chicago is kind of reduced to about three blocks. Uh, there's like uh, yeah. one residential street and then two, you know, uh, backlot yeah. uh, city streets mm-hmm. that they just dress differently every time. And the mention of the L train uh, constantly yes. going by. I did like that little effect, uh, which kind of gives you yeah. the feeling with this first episode that maybe Carl and Tony have just started at INS. Yes, yeah. yeah because maybe. it's just, they're like, oh, God, here it comes again, you know. They drove down from Seattle or they drove over the country, across the country from Seattle. Yeah, and somehow they lost Joanne Paflug. I don't know how you could lose her. I I, I keep an eye on her. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's <laughs> there's another great line with Carl that I kind I think kind of um, crystallizes his character. Uh, this uh, he goes into uh, a massage parlor, mm. and because uh, he's thinking, okay, well. If I if I hide, I can maybe catch the Ripper when he's with one of these uh, masseuses, and the the uh, the one masseuse who uh, unfortunately for him turns out to be a, a policewoman. Yes. Uh, by oh, the way, well. beautiful woman. I don't know what yes. else she's been in, but uh, Roberta Collins is her name. She's stunning. Mm. Um, and she looks at she says, "Oh, I'm, uh, I like your shoes. And they're funny." <laughs> and he says, "I do. I run a lot." <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, yep, that's, that's the yep, character. Yep. It's yeah, basically, yeah. you can use that with Doctor Who as well. But yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. The, I run yeah, a lot. That, yeah, a lot, yeah. <laughs> and it is, it's a shoe-heavy episode because that comes in later with the Rippers. So oh, right, we won't, we, near the end, yeah, his boots and things. Um, I want to mention the director. Yes. Are you familiar with the director, Alan Barron? Uh, I really am not. It, it, it's oh, kind of a I, even though he directed several episodes, he's not someone I am familiar with. He 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 directed a ton of of television in the seventies into the eighties, um, and as you can see from this episode, I think this is a really well directed episode for for what is clearly mm-hmm. a smaller budget and what would have had a a, a much um, quicker schedule. I think he handles the small version of Night Stalker, Night Strangler. I think he handles it pretty darn well. Um, and I'm hoping that when we get the oh, Blu-ray, yeah, absolutely. yeah, I'm hoping that when we get the Blu-ray, some of the shots that are just so dark will will um, reveal that it's even better than we we think it is. But Al, Alan Barron, he directed a ton of stuff. But um, my favorite Alan Barron thing is a movie he made in the early 60s called Blast of Silence. And he wrote, directed, and starred in it. Oh. And originally Peter Falk was meant to be the star. But Peter Falk, um, whatever, I forget that there was a movie Peter Falk was in in the early 60s that sort of set his career going that he got the job for at the same time. Oh, is that when he, he played a gangster? Yes, it was a gangstery type thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, I can't remember. I forget the, name, the movie. But but, yes. but um, so Alan Barron started it himself, and the um, and the, the premise of Blast of Silence is basically it's Christmas time, it's New York City, uh, and it's one of those like uh, you know, it's one of those uh, things where it's like um, yeah, we uh, we need to um, take care of this politician. He's been uh, screwing up. So I called someone, and they're sending in like Detroit, you know, and like that. The, the yeah. name, I think Freebie and the Bean does that, where it's like, you know, we just he's from Detroit, so we they refer. You know, I forget where the character is from in Blast of Silence, but he's a hitman who gets paid a lot of money, goes around the country killing people, and he is sent to kill like a a mob guy who is getting out of hand and is about to get caught by the blah 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 and so it's christmas time and he used to live in new york city and he comes back to new york city and he tails the mob guy and he's all going to kill him and he gets involved with all sorts of weird people and he also meets um some people who we kind of used to know when he was there um tries to sort of cultivate a relationship with them but when your life is a hitman who gets sent from one corner of the country to another, gets handed a briefcase full of money, you shoot somebody and then leave, you don't cultivate relationships yeah. that well. And it's a it's a beautiful movie and it's um Criterion put it out. Um the the um Oh really? Okay. They haven't put it out on Blu ray yet. It's only on D V D but it's called Blast of Silence. And the weird thing about the movie is that it is there is not constant but there is quite a bit of narration in it, and mm. it's stuff like it's stuff like I forget the guy's name. We'll call him. We'll call him um, uh, Tim Turner. And so it's like, hey, <laughs> Tim Turner, you're going to New York City to kill this guy. What do you think about that? Huh? You know, it's just this strange sort of, of narration. Like you, yeah, you you remember walking down these streets when you were young, you know. But what about now? The Christmas lights, the holiday makers. Do you? It's, it's this constant like accusatory narration, 
Very hard-boiled. Yes, exactly. It's very hard-boiled, very film noir, very odd, and it ends with a fantastic scene, like in somewhere in like New Jersey, uh, in one of those like swampy places. If you've ever seen Broadway, Danny Rose, when Danny oh, yeah. and uh, Mia Farrow's character when they get lost, like in Jersey, and and they're going through the weeds, and he says, "I feel like I'm Moses," you know, that sort of place where it's just like these. You you see these places <laughs> and go, "That's in New Jersey," and it's these weird houses that are like in these like swampy places with these weird like um walkways from house to house where the final like f- fight shootout takes place and it's really great and alan Barron, you watch that and you realize he's a really great director but he, he could never sort of get his own film career off the well no I'm, he had a beautiful career i'm sorry i don't mean to denigrate when i say that he wanted to sort of go that way yeah, but he couldn't, and so he directed thousands of hours of television, including yeah, this. Yeah, I can. I'm looking at his uh, his uh, IMDb here. He did a lot of a Love American style, and and he also won the Love Boat. Love Boat. <laughs> Could you uh, imagine room, that? Room two two two. Yes, he, I mean he did a ton of stuff, and um, and all of it's all of it's good directing. I mean, it's, he's he's an excellent director. He always does a good job with whatever whatever I've seen him do. Um, but if you really want to see his vision you watch blast of silence written directed starring him um the the criterion dvd looks great but i always think they're going to put out a blu-ray whenever they do their new announcement for the next month releases <laughs> i always think black and i always say hey guys blast of silence and they like give me the um the middle finger emoji you know that one um where they get <laughs> come on <laughs> So, um, but but that's to me the, when when I saw Alan Barron's name, like the writer Rudolph Borchert, I've seen his name on some other things, and he's he's a, he's a capable TV writer. He's not gonna he's not Richard Matheson. He's he's not gonna knock your socks off. He's not David Chase, who will be joining us soon. But he's a solid uh, TV writer. Um, but when I saw Alan Barron, I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I trust I trust the direction. Oh yeah, he, he worked on Ellery Queen and uh, yes, uh, Rockford Files, Chips, Scarecrow, Mrs. King. I, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, he was he was one of those guys. He was like the um, the William Bodine of TV. He was like every he did everything, <laughs> and uh, he was really good. So, um, but that's yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna look at my notes, see if I got anything else on this one. I think I've covered most of it. So let me ask you, how do you uh, how do you feel about the the Ron Updike character? Do you think that he's portrayed as a gay stereotype, or oh. or is he supposed to be just kind of a um, uh, someone who's out of his element as a reporter? You, you, oh, because there's been criticism that yeah, of yes. him being kind of a, a stereotype, a negative stereotype, and mm-hmm. I I go I kind of go back and forth on it because. Sometimes uh, it just it just seems like especially like say with this episode the Ripper he really just is kind of like they send him to cover stuff and he's like oh oh god you know it, it was horrible and he just he seems like maybe he should be just sticking with his financial reports yes like they say he's done in the past but for some reason Tony keeps wanting to give him these murder cases that he clearly doesn't want to do yeah it's it's yeah it's tricky um. Uh, yeah, with the Updike character, because I, because I do, I, I, I did get that the occasional moment here and there, here or there, where it was like, is maybe sort of a, a gay stereotype, but at the same time, I did, I, um, it's well, it's it's it, if 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 
if uh, Kolchak and, and, and Vincenzo have maybe sort of just arrived, maybe this is the first time like Updike has encountered anything like this. And these guys have already encountered stuff like this. Yeah. So, so it's like, it could be just like when, when Vincenzo is, is sending him, it's like, yeah, just go do it. You're a reporter. You'll be fine. And to, to be honest, I would probably, from what I know of what the Ripper did, I would probably be on the side of Updike with yeah. much of what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I know I, I'm not quite, I'm not, I'm honestly not quite sure where I stand with the character of Updike yet. Um, I may have to get back to you. I, 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 um, I, I feel like he's like Updike, like as a character felt like he was getting on a different reporter type show. You mm. know, this isn't Lou Grant or something like that. You know, right. where, where am I? What's going, what's going on with zombies? This werewolves, what's happening? Yeah. He, he wandered so, in from the front page and, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> why, what do you mean the Ripper's here? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. wound up in the Adams family or, or whatever it is, you know, and, and he's, um, yeah, I don't know. He's, I mean, I understand that that yeah, there would be a guy like that there, and I I don't I don't quite know why, why Vincenzo is sending him to do that stuff when clearly he shouldn't be. Uh, well, and I don't I, mean like he should. I don't mean like he shouldn't be like don't send him. You know, he shouldn't be because because that's not his thing. If he's the financial guy, you don't send him to uh, <laughs> murder where kidneys have been removed from a body. I mean, that doesn't. Could you imagine like like if you watch CNN or like. God forbid, if you watch like Fox News or something, like yeah. sending someone who comes on who just does the stock market report, sending them to like the scene of a gruesome murder, you wouldn't do yeah. that. Well, let's send Al Roker to cover the Ripper. Yeah, uh... Exactly, you know, exactly, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't do it. And so, I mean, maybe they've got a small staff. I don't know. It's fine. I mean, I get, I get that they, it just can't be the two of them. There has to be other people there if they wanted to continue. But I think the tricky thing with Updike in this episode is you don't know why he's there. Um, because he doesn't really... I mean, he he obviously he contributes some notes and things. But... Um, and is this... And I, I forget, I didn't write it down. Is this the episode which has the line, go to the John, Updike? No. It, which one is that? <laughs> Oh God! It, it I think it's is it the, the later zombie? one. It, it, no, it, I it's, think it's that... one. It's one of the ones we watch here because I remember seeing it in the subtitles, and I'd never seen uh, it, and I I yeah. never realized it before. And I was looking at the t- subtitles, and it says, "Go to the John, comma Updike." I was like, "Oh, shut up! You really did that joke?" <laughs> so it's in one of these. I don't remember which, <laughs> but I won't say it here. We'll talk about it next time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, that's great with this uh, as a pilot, um, we really get the feeling that the INS office, that this is a real, it looks lived in, uh, the set yes. design is great, mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they always remind you every once in a while that the L is there, and, you know, you can hear it in the background, and things shake a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it uh, I think it's a, a really strong start to a series that yes. unfortunately only went one year. But, yeah. I mean, really, after the 20 episodes that they do here, they'd really have to be stretching to find yes. stuff, I would think, because they pretty yeah. much cover every classic creature, and yes. then they even come up with some uh, some from mythology that are pretty cool mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know where it could have gone in a second season yeah. unless they started yeah. doing more like story arcs. Yes, if they started doing multiple episodes or they started like uh yeah, linking things that happened in the first season into something that happened. Yeah, like like and I'm I'm gonna mention this in episode or two, I'm gonna mention the X Files and sort of the way the X Files was finally able to take a show with a format like this and expand it. Right. And and because uh, this um well, that's for another episode. But yeah, I think I think this is a, this is a great opening episode because it it has enough to um, give, give you that the show is going to continue from here. And it 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 actually does. Oh crap! I wasn't going to mention the X Files, but I'll just do it real quick. The you know <laughs> the first two episodes of the X Files, uh, the pilot and Deep Throat, are um, end basically like. Like the pilot ends with like, well, Mulder, we almost found something, but we found nothing. Let's go. And yeah. then Deep Throat ends with Mulder actually being operated on to forget something that he saw. Mm-hmm. So if you watch the first two episodes, you think, I remember thinking this when I first watched them on DVD. Why am I watching this? What's the purpose of watching the show <laughs> where they learn all this stuff and then it either vanishes or they're literally like operated on and made to forget? But the great thing is the third episode, Squeeze, which has the guy Tombs who could squeeze yes. into all the vents and everything, that actually has a proper ending. So the moment you get there, you're like, oh, okay, they can give us an ending that isn't just, why am I watching this? This is so depressing. And they do that a lot in the show, but they still also have episodes that end with, oh, they missed it, or, or that kind of thing. And the one thing I like, uh, the, the well, the, one of the things I like about the end of The Ripper is that, you know, the two previous times, Kolchak saved the day, saved lives, and then got thrown out of town. In this one, he does the same thing, but they do that thing where when they examine the... Um, when they examined the place where the Ripper was killed, they found nothing but clothes. So Kolchak is like, okay, Kolchak, get out of here. What are you doing? You know, Kolchak goes back to work and he's like, okay, we're going to let this one ride. I know it's, it's sort of nice that it's like, it doesn't end with Kolchak. We found this body and we want to throw you out of town. Oh no. It ended with, okay, he (laughs) saved the day, but they, but the, in saving the day, something happened that destroyed the body and so the cops are just like get out of here you crazy guy and you can see Kolchak doesn't care that they think he's crazy you know he just wants to save the day and so so when it ends it's not like the end of Night Strangler or Night Stalker where you're like oh no they're throwing him out of town again well at least Joe Ampaflug was in the car with him a Night Strangler but yeah <laughs> the, the, the Ripper has that bit of moment right there at the end that can that can carry you on into the next episodes you know Kolchak has sort of everything taken away from him but he did save everyone we know that he knows that and at this point that's good let's go to the next episode so I like that yeah it it, it really very a sharp introduction to the series I think and uh, you know I think if you you let's say you hadn't seen either of the TV movies I think if you were a a horror fan it would have hooked you immediately I think yes I agree I agree uh, so let's. Uh, I guess let's wrap it up, Tim. Uh, uh, where can we find you online? What's going on? Where can we? Where are you right now? Uh, well, we are. Uh, we, uh, my partner Kelly Hogaboom and I uh, do a podcast called Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees, where we generally cover uh, B films and genres, cinema. 
this month, I think about the time this episode comes out, uh, we're covering the Vince Vaughn film Freaky, uh, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, hey! and a, a little film you may be familiar with called Pieces. Nice. Yes. I can't, and, I can't uh, argue with the beauty of pieces. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's glorious. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know you can uh, check us out on either iTunes or SoundCloud, and uh, we also have our site uh, bbnbs.net, and we also can be found on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and uh, we have recommendations and stuff on there for everybody. So uh, check us out there. Thank you, sir. And um, <coughs> Kolchak has begun. Next up, the zombie. But next up here is this. And that's episode 109, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Happy anniversary to us. Thank you for listening. We're gonna do. Are we gonna do another five years? I don't know. Does the world have another five years in it? I don't know. But we're gonna keep going. We've got um, we got shows lined up. We got guest hosts lined up. We're gonna we're gonna keep cooking along, and I think um, I think you're gonna continue to enjoy it. And thank you everyone for listening, everyone for uh, for supporting the show. And uh, let me just just throw out as I always do. Let's see, uh, at E-Supertrain1 on Twitter, eventually Supertrain on Facebook. Feel free to follow, feel free to join in, feel free to say hello. Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Slacks, S-L-A-C-K-S, at Yahoo.com is the email. Feel free to email and uh, say whatever you need to say about the show. Or you can message me on, on Twitter or Facebook also. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Eventually Supertrain.blogspot.com is the... Um, is the is the website and uh, 109 episodes five years i guess we'll be at 218 in 2026 i'm not gonna be alive in 2026 i'm kidding um i might be we all might be so let let us let's push on ahead to next time there yeah, next time um the search continues i think it's another lockwood and planet of the apes if i remember correctly there may be some romance going on and um not the strange annoying romance that was referred to but didn't happen in the surge and, um and uh we're gonna we're gonna meet a zombie in kolchak so that should be fun thanks again everyone listen to this Enter the world of Holi, Red Brown, and so many heroes named Steve. 80s Action Movies on the Cheap is filled with insightful reviews about the films made during the decade that gave us big hair, shoulder pads, and yuppies. This book is an excellent guide through the action movies that didn't quite make blockbuster status, or in some cases, any status at all. Written with wit, good humor, a definite fondness, and minimal spoilers, this book is a must-have for film lovers. 80s Action Movies on the Cheap by Daniel R. Budnick is available now at Amazon and McFarlane Books.